tale finish for two retiring stars as Hawthorne saved the best for last in season 2020, destroying the Suns at Adelaide Oval. We're back to recap the win and cover all the latest news from the first week of the off-season. Welcome to another huge Hawk Talk podcast. My name is Nick Mason and joining me is my co-host, a man who sat back and watched a fairy tale unfold. G'day, Tiz. G'day, mate. Poppy turned it on early and then, inspiring by Clarko, just... Pushes Stratton forward for the lone goal and then pushes him back into defence. Is that that how it went? He wishes Stratton went back into defence. I think Ben stayed down there after that. What a club, though. (laughs) And I mean Hawthorne. I don't mean Gold Coast. Apparently just this pinata for us. The Suns are honouring our old stars as well as we do at this point. Yeah, they're commemorative club side. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But Poppy, how good was it to see the the flash of the smile, the... um, Oh, there was a bit of uh, a bit of a strut to Poppy early on, wasn't there? He just sort of took all the confidence out of his whole career into that match and hits him from the boundary and just made made a couple of them look stupid. That contested mark, I was like, oh, come on. We won't want to retire him in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> One of the finest contested marks in our forward 50 this year. So heading into the match, we wanted a specky. Didn't need to. Just stayed <laughs> on the ground. And just took it against two players. Absolutely absurd for a small man. And it just stuck. Uh, it, the beauty of it was the, the cinematics of two Gold Coast players just sort of covering up Poopolo as the ball came in and then them both falling aside and Poppy just standing there with a the ball in his hands. It was a wonderful little moment, little cameo for him. And uh, that... What does he do? I don't know how he does it with his hands, but he makes a heart, doesn't he? We were spoiled as Hawthorne supporters this game. I mean, as we were with, with the Ruffy tribute game last year, but um, I mean, it was the first quarter when Puopolo kicks that miraculous goal and you're like, geez, that's bloody good. So I think we're in for a good time today. And geez, weren't we just? I mean, the highlights just kept coming and coming and Gunston turning it on with four goals and, and gives it off to the strats. Of course, we have to talk about that moment in more detail, I think. Um, did you see it coming? Because I saw it coming. Uh, no, no, it took me by surprise. I mean, a year where I felt uh, they'd be more than happy to just show up on Sunday and, you know, get a good result. They actually completely toweled up Gold Coast on every line. And it looked like Gold Coast had gone in with the attitude that I feared we'd enter the arena with. Yeah, that, uh... that's true, yeah. <laughs> it was um, just really nice to end the season, you know, with a smile and with a tear in the eye with the retiring stars. And it just, Stratton and Puopolo are going out in style. You know, ahead of the game, you think, well, you know, what about the draft order and this and that? But I tell you what, once the game was underway, I didn't care about anything else but seeing our boys just end end the season on a high. And I think that's what happened with all the supporters as well. It was a, it was a great end to season 2020, which has been extremely challenging, and I think this was well-earned. And we're very fortunate to see it all. It's been a huge amount of effort from the back end of the club to get this season done. And um, oh, I'm, I'm very happy that we got to see as much football as we did. We're not playing finals, but... uh... The thing about this season for Hawthorne, while the results largely haven't gone our way, you can't say it hasn't been interesting. Um, And that has been the storyline right to the end of the season. I mean, it was interesting insofar as seeing Dylan Moore run around and have his his best game for the club. I mean, 25 disposals at 88% efficiency... Five inside 50s, one goal. He found the footy all over the park, really. He he worked super hard all game and was at his most damaging in that first half, which really set us up. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but he looked on another level. He looked prescient. And then when he did the the stopwatch against his arm, I thought, how on earth did he know there was one second left in the quarter? I'm like, "This this kid is just... Another level on the rest of these boys. See, I assumed that the playing group knew that there wasn't much time remaining. Um, Whether they knew it was a few seconds or maybe 30 seconds, regardless, I I figured they had the message from the bench. But uh, it was quite uncanny for him to make that signal. And not only that, we know now, long after the game, it was in no reference to it being a buzzer-beater goal. 
It was a Jackson Ross in-joke. Ross time or something. <laughs> Release the jackal or Ross Release time. Release the or, jackal. <laughs> yeah, Jackson Ross, the jackal. He, he didn't get a go, but um, he's obviously well-liked by the by the rest of the players. He seems to be a funny bugger, Jackson Ross. Then I think that's part of why he's well-liked. The, the players seem to appreciate his sense of humour. So, uh, look, that's all up in the air. But Dylan Moore is one guy who did get a go, and he grabbed that opportunity with both hands, I think. Uh, similarly, we could say that for James Cousins, who just continued rolling on. 24 touches at 83%. Yeah, they're all part of the same age bracket, I suppose. We'd put them all together there. And we're just seeing them start to lead the quality disposals in the side. And it's fantastic to see. Something I wanted to say about Cousins is the fact that a team high eight inside 50s, it's not the first time that we saw it this season. That seems to be part of his role as being... The kick inside the arc. Well, he has a penetrating kick. He doesn't tend to put too much air on it. So it makes it a little bit easier or, sorry, it makes it harder for the opposition. I'm not sure it makes it any easier for us, but it makes it harder for the opposition to just camp underneath the football when it's not given really high elevation. Um, I enjoyed his game. Uh, I know that Tom Mitchell finished top five in the league for possessions. Which is incredible for a bloke coming back from a serious leg injury. Um, but most supporters would agree that his impact was lessened. Uh, but if you're, getting, if you're getting touches like that, it's only a matter of time before you're back to a very, very high-quality footballer. And it's the polish, which we've heard mentioned so many times in post-matches, that is lacking with uh, not only the side, but also Tom. No, that, that's a superb positive that we take out of that. Uh, what about Damon Greaves? 21 touches at 86% efficiency. I dare say, Tiz, he's probably playing Dimmer's role a bit better than Dimmer right now. Yeah, Dimmer had a... What, he started the season, then he got that peck injury, and ever since then he's looked a little bit behind. Um, might be fitness issue, but Damon Greaves, he's exciting. And what it does do is let Dimmer have his forward career that he always envisaged as a child. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm wrapped with with Damon. I think uh, I think we've got one there. I think we've got a 100, 150 gamer who looks every bit a footballer and very focused. And he seems to get on well with Scrimshaw. I noticed they were they were working well. Time for me to be a bit accountable, Tiz. I knew nothing of Damon Greaves. I didn't really rate him at all at the start of the year, but uh, he's proved me wrong, so good on him. Well, i got to say, last year his uh, Box Hill numbers were pretty low. Uh, didn't see a lot of the football, but he has absolutely accelerated. Uh, when he did have the football, he had, he was good. He took the right options and everything, but getting the football was a real problem for him. Prior to his debut, um, well, I guess prior to the Marsh series, I, I really didn't have any great gauge of what he brings to the side one way or another. And, uh, I mean, look at him now. He's great. I'd love to see more of him. I'd like to see him more in season 2021, and I think we will. Moving towards the more senior players now, what about Jack Gunston here? Four goals, an enormous 12-score involvement, and just one of those games where he seemed unstoppable, Tiz. There's one moment where uh, he... Like, he just snatched the ball and somehow was automatically on his boot, and then all, all of a sudden, straight through the goal. That was... Ridiculous, and he did that against the best and fairest up at Gold Coast. So his form going into next year, gee whiz, there'd be some clubs on the lookout for him, Nick. Do we have to? Do we really have to go there? All these rumours about him leaving. I mean, yeah, okay, he's he's easily our best forward. He's easily the best forward in the bottom six sides, I'd have to say, with terrible forward entries and making the most of every chance he gets. But... I don't think he was auditioning for other clubs. I think he was auditioning for something else. And if he does get the club captaincy, I couldn't be happier because he has led by example, both on field and off field with some of his comments, which we've brought to brought to the pot a couple of times about the changing list and, and how to bring the young players into the side. I think he's an obvious choice. He'd be my pick, and at this point, if I have to elaborate on why, I can only assume that you haven't been watching the football. <laughs> it's, he's a very obvious choice, and I'd be very happy for him to be captain. He was actually named this week in the extended squad of the best 40 players in the league. However, Tiz, not being a midfielder, uh, couldn't get a look in in the end. Yes. So, once again, 
the All-Australian Selection Committee has not selected any wingmen uh, or half-forwards. They seem to be all midfielders. And I think, was it Xavier Ellis got to Twitter and said uh, the the small forwards in this forward 50 have totaled 22 goals for the season. Good luck, lads. <laughs> it's indicative of how the league is run at the moment. I mean, if you look at the umpiring, if you look at how the game evolves, how it's adjudicated, maybe they do just want a team of midfielders plus one key forward who doesn't move and a key backman to go with him. If you're going to pick it in accordance with simply the best players, period, I'm fine with that. Just get rid of the positional notion of it. The whole, if you're going to add positions, then you have to pick accordingly by position. But if you just want to pick the best, just do that and, and just revamp the whole concept of All-Australian. It, it's literally just the positions that are making it a farce at this point. No one denies that these players are talented. Yeah, there's no specialist players in that in that side, really. And it, it's, a bit, it's a bit sad. When you can't have wingmen, that's terrible. And that's been the blight of the the game over the last decade, the the lack of the influence of the of the wingman. It seems to be what most pundits would say makes the game look a little less attractive. But let's get back to Jack Gunston and that moment. That moment where they commented that uh, he could have kicked his four hundredth goal, which was of course inaccurate and needs to be corrected. I don't know why that annoys me so much, but Going down the ages, 20 years, if I'm speaking to my son or daughter, I'm going to say, well, actually, David King, I think it was David King, David King's inaccurate there. It wouldn't have been his 400, it would have been his 398, but it wouldn't have mattered to Gunston, he would have passed it anyway. What is this? Just as likely to be Mark Rusciuto, I think. Is it? Yeah, it probably was. I mean, it was a great moment, and it's shades of the year before when Gunston uh, hit up Ruffy for his final goal in his career. So Yeah, that was a beautiful kick. Gunston owed Ruffy at that point, let's be honest. But the other bloke that also gave up the shot was the other retiree, Pugopolo, who sent it to Gunston initially. Mm. And then, and you'll have to go back through the tape here, but when you're lining up for goal and you don't have much of a routine, what would be the one thing that is a non-negotiable, <laughs> do you think? You've got the footy in your hands and you're just spinning it. How do you how do you settle that football in your hands? That's just the question, isn't it? You make sure that you hold the football properly, as you've done countless times throughout your career. You know, you're a professional footballer, you know the way to kick a football. The laces were down. This is my point. Stratton holding the laces down <laughs> is one of the more bizarre things I've ever <laughs> encountered watching this game. Because... He's done it his entire career. He knows how to kick a football, Tiz. He knows how to do it. And on this one occasion, when all the cameras are on him, the spotlight is totally focused on him, he goes the laces down. And I'm nervous for him. <laughs> I'm sitting there watching this going, come on, mate, please kick it, please kick it. And the and the uh, exclamation was, you know, fantastic. And I would have hugged him. I would have run onto the field to hug him. It was a great moment. <laughs> Shades of uh, Marvel Stadium, but oh, you weren't there. Uh. Wow, <laughs> that was so mean. I, I apologize, that was so cruel, and still won't get cut, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, it won't. I do the editing <laughs> around these parts, that's staying in. Uh, as we look to wrap up uh, our recap of the Gold Coast game, I, I just want to make mention of the fact that Shields had nine contested possessions, Mitchell, Burgoyne, and Bruce with eight, Puopolo, and Moore with seven. A good even spread of guys really having a crack, and it speaks to the to the fact that they were switched on. They were switched on the entire game, which is good. That, to me, was, it's all the psychology of the side, isn't it? Um, when you can turn it on for a game like that, for your, for your loved teammates, and uh, it's just a shame they can't, can't do it each week. But um, that's, that's the nature of this year. I think it was very unsettling for a lot of them. It was. It was unsettling, and it's a year where interest has been wavering and effort's been wavering as well. And it's just the kind of win that you need right at the death. If you're not going to play finals, you need the kind of win that speaks to the club's culture and its heart. And I think that's why this win is important. And listening to all the players post-match, the guys who are interviewed talking about the result, it seemed to matter to them that 
whilst they weren't con- the season was over, they seemed to realise the significance of walking away with the four points in this match and, and what it means to the club. So I think that's really positive, and we say farewell to Ben Stratton and Paul Puoplo. Fantastic careers. We've also bid farewell this week to uh, Ricky Henderson. Yeah, so after 159 games and being one of the best delisted free agents going, he's uh, hung up the boots, and I think it's due to injury, and he returned to Victoria as soon as that knee injury happened. So he's had a while to come to terms with this, but what a fantastic year he had, only to be pipped by Warple for the best and fairest. Just to illustrate how uh, rare that would have been for a delisted free agent to get a best and fairest, there's only two been won by delisted free agents in the last 20 years, and one of them is Robo Brisbane, and the other one is Collins at, at Gold Coast. Which only just happened, so... Yeah, so his return to form, and to be able to get that out of his body, was incredible. And I loved watching him, the little grey hairs on his head, <laughs> and and some of his kicking from the boundary, or even um, his contested marking as a wingman was incredible to watch. A very, very good player. He was, uh, he was a decent weapon, wasn't he? With his inside 50s and... The long bomb goals from fifty. Then you chuck him on the boundary line, and he'll put him through. It's just he had a he had a good bag of tricks, did Ricky the the silver fox. And look, I think it will be that two thousand and nineteen season that people will remember. That was sensational. He averaged over twenty four touches a game that season, which you know I know he did well, but even that number astonishes me. Over twenty four, averaging over twenty four is just unbelievable. Yeah, he had some massive games, and. Uh... A really great friend of Jack, Jack Gunston. I think he brought him across to the club. So hopefully he's got other friends in the wings. (laughs) Fingers crossed. I mean, look, Henderson, uh, we we pay tribute to him. A gifted wingman. Certainly, as we've said, a great acquisition for Hawthorne. And and a guy that I think Hawk supporters reserved a fondness for. Uh, He's not the only retiree this week. Uh, We bid farewell also to Connor Glass, who's called time on his career. Heading back home to Ireland as we uh, flagged last week on the show. He's going to continue his studies and recommence Gaelic football for County Derry. Uh, He joined in 2015. He's our first Irishman ever to represent Hawthorne when he made his debut in 2017, Tiz. And it was a good debut. I was very excited over it. Well, in the West, we played against West Coast. He played on the halfback flank and made some incredibly good decisions and a couple of awful ones, but it looked like he'd he'd make it. And... uh, then he, it was odd around that period we were debuting people always interstate. Do you remember that? I do, yes. And then he went back to the twos and they tried him in different positions and he, they never really settled on one for him and as a result he finds himself uh, access to requirements at the end of this year with all the pressures that came onto the list. That's your interpretation, but the club line is that he's retired. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes. It is uh it is what's being said is that he called time in his career. Look, who knows? Who knows? That might be the case, but I think we both suspect there's a realistic chance that he was told. Look, I think if he'd if he had been offered another contract he would have taken it. Yeah. Um if he wants to call it retirement, that's fine with me. Yeah, whatever. Don't begrudge that at all. Uh something that Ben Stratton and Connor Glass have in common is is the fact that they finished with two career goals each. Well, I do remember his second goal, Connor's, against Essendon. This was one of the highlights of that day. Uh, but I don't remember his first. No, I've got to say, I'm in, the, I'm in exactly the same boat there. But if you're only going to kick two goals, geez, that one against Essendon's pretty bloody good. Yeah, that was a massive goal. And uh, I think he sort of, it was a late inclusion that day or something. I... I I wasn't aware of what his role would be, and he lined up on the half-forward line, which he was just basically a negative tagger trying to stop Saad and the other Irishman who's heading back. And uh, then he just plucks this beautiful goal from about 45 on the run. It's beautiful. So he has the skills. He has the skills. So I think if there hadn't been the pressure of of COVID, he'd, he'd, he would have... Um, not retired. Yeah, you might be right. Uh, so we thank Connor Glass and Ricky Henderson for their services to the Brown and Gold. And uh, we have a departing coach as well. Hawthorne assistant coach Scott Burns is leaving the club after three seasons, having accepted a senior assisting coaching role with Adelaide. Now, he served as the forward line coach for two seasons before taking over as stoppages coach ahead of the Hawks 2020 campaign 
What are your thoughts on this one, Tiz? My thoughts are, where's Adelaide, Nick? From, you know, just sort of directionally from, from Melbourne. If you wanted to get to Adelaide, which which direction do you head? You have to head north to get there. <laughs> For those who aren't on Twitter, Nick wrote, uh, Scott Burns will be heading north to Adelaide. I had to make the comment that uh, this was indicative of his whole midfield coaching strategy heading north to Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd done it deliberately, to be quite honest. I thought it was a, a very subtle jibe. No, I mean, okay, there's two things going on. First, I'll always stick to my guns that you do have to head north to get to Adelaide. You just do. If you want to be more precise about it, of course it's northwest. Of course it is. In my defence, the second point I'll make is I was in class at the time. So I'm trying to listen to a lecture, and I'm updating Twitter. I would have gone with, yeah, it was a classic drive-by, and I'm surprised you got it. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I put my hand up, I own up to it, I said north, and uh, you can't edit stuff on Twitter, but I will say I went for the sneaky edit on Facebook, so... (laughs) (laughs) So we're looking for a stoppage coach, is that right, or are we just going to set Sammy Mistral to task? Obviously, Sicily will be a line coach, that's pretty obvious to me, um... What do you want to put him in charge of? The forward line? <laughs> Very good. No, uh, we'll have to find someone. And it's good to have turnover, but we have lost so many, so many assisted coaches. All the IP just drifts out with them. Hopefully we can get some of the winning IP out of uh, Richmond or West Coast or, you know, just the, the new setups. The Obviously they're doing something different to what we are. If we can get some of that into our club, that'll be really good and refreshing for us. The news that Scott Burns was moving on was met with um, some interesting responses from the Hawthorne community. And I've got to say, I, I am inclined to echo those responses. Well, we did see Clarko have a couple of uh, rather obvious and in public goes at, at him. Um taking the whiteboard away from him at points. When things are going wrong, as they were in our midfield, that's exactly what happens. And obviously Adelaide sees something they like. I'm just saying this is a guy that he had the reins of the forward line for a sec there. And we know where that has ended up. We know how we look with our forward line. And then he takes the reins of the stoppages. And, geez, we got smashed a great deal of the time this season. I don't mind that we're looking for someone else. With all due respect, I, I think it we might need to go back to the drawing board. So this is not such a bad thing for Hawthorne. Yeah, I think, well, you know, there's been a hell of a lot of change this season. I'm not sure that it was an easy task anyway. So I, w- I would say this on his behalf. I find the arrangement of Amira, Warple, Mitchell... And at some points, uh, he just swapped one of those out with Cousins. Um, that seems to be a mix that is very hard to get the balance right. And we need speed. So I don't want to blame his. I don't want to blame his tools, but uh, he just he just couldn't get the mix. It's more than likely a convergence of all different factors. But um, look, we've we've actually got a question on the midfield a bit later, so we'll circle back around to that. Uh, right now, though, it's time to talk about Will Day finishing fifth in the Rising Star, which is a fantastic effort. Yeah, off 11 games, it's a very good effort. That's uh, half the season, and as soon as he came into the side, we were wrapped, weren't we? One of the uh, one of the highlights of the season is his debut, and, and he's provided constant highlights ever since. His stats have been very impressive, averaging 15.6 disposals, 4.4 marks, 2.6 rebound 50s, 1.4 inside 50s, Uh, His 4.8 intercept possessions per game ranks fifth overall for players 20 years old or younger and number one for first-year players. Wow, that's exceptional. And uh, so is his goal. That is a sensational debut season by the stats. And that goal, you're right, Tiz. I mean, if I have to think about moments that made me smile this season, I know it's been few and far between with the number of wins that we had, but that's going to be something. That's going to be a moment I look back on and go, yeah, that was when I was having a lot of fun watching Hawthorne play. And it changed the fabric of that game, didn't it? We uh, we really got into the game and started winning after that. Uh, so I'm very excited. But most of the excitement is off the half-back line. <laughs> Yet again. That's the thing, though. Like, it's been... The defence has been Hawthorne's strongest line for a long time now. 
it's that's the part that's working and the reason why we're losing is you know the defense just gets battered like it can only absorb so much it's that's not the area of of the ground that needs fixing the most it it just gets um you know it's like it's water torture basically it just gets worn down after a while it can't sustain attack after attack from the opposition and hold up um so if we're looking for areas to improve in the off season it's the rest of the ground the defense is doing everything they can and it's chock full of talent um so i'm not worried about that at all and and will day being down there has been a revelation he adds to an already stacked back line. So we're looking at some real talent in the back line. You've got Day, Sicily, Scrimshaw and Greaves just moving the ball wherever they like off the half-back flank, each with very good retention rates. you got to take into account you can also plug in Impey. Yeah, and Hardwick, of course, can move up to the half-back line. So we're really creating this... Uh, well, in, in the absence of getting Whitfield a couple of years ago, Clarko's just gone all out for field types. And that's that's exactly what Will Day could become, a, a sort of halfback wingman with elite running and, and beautiful skills. It's all looking good as far as the back line's concerned. And uh, congratulations to Will Day on a sensational debut season. Uh, something else I want to... We've got some leftover notes here just from... We're, we're going to talk about Jack Gunston with his All-Australian uh, nomination being in the squad. Something that I thought of, Tiz, it was a bit of a shower thought this morning, was it makes it all the more remarkable, the fact that you remember at one point, you know, there were question marks around his season. Um, he had ankle surgery in the off-season, and he didn't get up for any of the Marsh Community Series games. So at that point, as a Hawks supporter, you're like, okay, well, well, we'll just watch this space. But, I mean, didn't he turn that around? Well, he turned it around 100%, didn't he? And... I did enjoy seeing Will Day retweet one of the blokes I like on Twitter, Al, when he asked, surely Jack Gunston gets a spot in the All-Australian. Will Day's really upping his game on the socials. He's a little bit spoken out, and I kind of like it. Got some miscellaneous questions now from listeners. Uh, the first cab off the rank from Judgy at Hook Talk Pod. What do you believe is the biggest area of concern with regards to the list that needs to be addressed during the off-season? I hate the ageing ruckmen. I know they're not all that important in the modern game, but um, if it wasn't them, it'd have to be the wings. That would be what I'd be fixing. Yep, 100% agreed on that. Uh, It's something that we've touched on podcasts previously, uh, the idea of injecting uh, some height in the form of a young ruckman and getting some speed into the team with an outside run. Um, they're my priorities too, so it seems like we're on the same page with that one, Tiz. I'd really like a player like um, Pal Pepper. We're going to be watching him in finals. He's got a bit of speed and he's also got aggression and um, a willingness to dive in on a contested ball. Tackles quite well. Seems to lack or has improved his concentration span, but that's just his career. Uh, if you can get a player that can impact with a bit of speed out of a stoppage, that's exactly what we need. Next question comes from Peter at Hawk Talk Pod. Which way should we go? Trade, draft, or a combination of both? The draft is still compromised, but we haven't had a number four pick for a long time. I think in times of uncertainty like we are with this draft, where there's very little to go on, supposedly. You know, there's not many schoolboy competitions, but we still have a good network. We still have an understanding of the players that are out there and where they should have been going this year. So, you know, the recruiting and the spotting isn't done in the final season. You're watching these boys for three or four seasons. So Will Day and Josh Morris were not on a lot of clubs' radars. And I think similarly you'll find that will happen for us in the later rounds. But having picked four means that we're probably going to gain either a key position defender or a key forward, um, which would be absolutely brilliant for us. Something that we should mention about that number four pick, and this is my understanding, I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, Tiz, but we can't trade that out. We would need, in order to trade a first round pick, we'd need to actually bring another one in. Uh, I don't know. You might be able to go from pick four out to getting picks 14 and 18, you know, something like that, like Melbourne did, or was it Carlton? They went and traded one out for two first round picks, and that 
looks to have worked out well for them. But also, the AFL changed the rules on these all the time. They've done it for Geelong, they've done it for us. They just give you a waiver and off you go. Um, it's not not really a huge hurdle. I'm not really sure why it exists, other than to... Anyway, no, I think we'll use pick four. I hope we do. But would you be open to getting two first-round picks or not? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd be open to getting two, yeah. What I wouldn't be open to is um, generally players over about 27, 28 years of age. If we could possibly avoid doing deals of that ilk, I would I would prefer it. I think that is the wrong strategy. I think that's something that we've done pretty consistently over the last few years with players here and there. And we need to look, we need to, you know, Jack Scrimshaw is the template, really. Like you gotta gotta look at some guy from another club that that's played dead on their list for about two years and just wants to get the hell out. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> There's gonna be a fair bit of that this year. <laughs> I mean, wh- whether players like it or not, they're probably gonna find with the reduced list sizes, they're probably gonna find themselves off a list. And it's up to Hawthorne to, and we've said it before on this podcast. You gotta you gotta be hawks turned vultures. No, 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 no. Just I've been thinking about this. I still don't like the vulture concept. We are a bird of prey. It's fine. <laughs> We're still hawks. Okay. Well, you get what I'm getting at anyway. You get my meaning by it. Uh, we've got to do our best to scout what talent is coming off those lists and, and have a look at these guys and go, for some of them, I reckon they have not got anywhere near the best out of themselves. And I think we've got the tools. We've got what it takes to take them to the next level and make them a really good servant for the brown and gold. So, Zach Merritt. He'll be good on our wing, won't he? <laughs> you are dying to have a go at Essendon, aren't you? Mate, if they're going to be really, really bad, it's only it's only right that I kick them while they're down. Oh, did you misunderstand that I'm not encouraging it? No, no, I just want you to join in. I'd be happy to join in. They're a shambles. How long can they ride the excuse of the supplement saga? I mean, weren't they over and done with that in 2018 by their own admission? Yeah, they were like, was it redemption? What was the phrase they used that everyone just rolled their eyes at? And then they gave everyone a t-shirt and then they just kept playing the old shithouse footballing standard. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they did. It's a beautiful thing, Tiz. And uh, I think the new president or whatever has brashly expressed that... uh, he needs decisions from the players and whether they're staying or going. And I think that's right. I think you should definitely force the issue with people that are thinking of leaving. <laughs> definitely aggravate the people who are, who are looking at their <laughs> options and weighing up their futures. That's a good way to go. Uh, Wasn't it like less than 12 months ago they were saying like how much they wanted Danaher to fall in love with the club again? Mate. They have won every off-season, except for the ones that they had all their draft picks taken off them. Look, anyway, I heard rumblings that were interested in Saad, but I don't know how legitimate that is. I mean, he's pacey. He would improve us a lot. Um, Requires a tag off the half-back line, certainly keeps one of the forwards honest. Um, Again, it's that age profile I'm a bit wary of. I just I don't think we should be targeting them. But also, I would say, don't dismiss it out of hand. Like, if, if the offer's good, if you can get him cheap, then it's absolutely worth looking at. He's on a four-year offer at Essendon. Like, what, you're going to have to match it, probably, to get him out of there. So, I'm not interested. Well, that's fair enough. You, you knew more about it than me in this case, so fair enough. Uh, yeah, anyway... That would be my stance. Look young, try and poach young, uh, use the draft picks as much as possible. I, I think we just need to do something different than what we've done for a while there. Uh, we heard from Rick as well at Hawk Talk Pod. Are there any positional changes you'd like to see? For example, Scully to assume a run-with role or O'Brien as number one ruck. Be creative. Well, I mean, the Scully doing a run-with role is, is what I call terribly creative. Um, <laughs> oh, come on. The guy can't tackle. There's not a. <laughs> this is one of the things that frustrates me about Clarko. He is creative, and he says play your role, but each player has like two or three roles. <laughs> Just play your role on the day that I require of you, as I told you in the pre-match. It's quite, sort of that's in parentheses behind it, but he is looking for this total football, isn't he? He's looking for a player that can play forward, play back, play half back, play wing. 
Well, just imagine Clarko briefing Shawnee Burgoyne going, play your role, and Burgoyne's like, okay, which one of the 15? <laughs> which one of the 15 am I doing today? Match winner. How many more times, Sean? Match winner is your role. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I what I mean is, and we saw it play out with a few of the players that that aren't um, that aren't on the list any longer. Some of the younger guys they uh, they do well at Box Hill. There's no spot available in that position in the first, so they move them to another position when they reach the AFL side. And of course, they're not as good there. They don't look anywhere near as good. So they go back to, and there's this toing and froing, and you basically these kids end up in this sort of um, region where it's ill-defined. Um, so I I still love his creativity with our older players, the ones that are established. That that is fantastic. Moving the pieces on the chessboard works really well. Sometimes it can change the total feel of a match. But we just we need better pieces sometimes. So McAvoy's in the twilight of his career. Segler can have good days and really, really bad days. And we need more to... Look, Mitch Lewis, he's had a pretty horrible year, right? He can't be this bad again. Like, I see I see major upside for Mitch Lewis. Him leading up on the wing, you've got Jacker coming in. I think Clarko's looking to have a very, very aggressive forward line structure in the near future. One that responds to bombing it long. <laughs> it's about bloody time. I mean, Poppy's not going to be there next year. Who's going to run after it then? Well, I mean, you'll just, uh, you'll just make sure they have to run through you and handball. That would be how he'd do it. Um, but, you know, Hanrahan's coming on. I'm not too worried about him. And Josh Morris... Or tank as they call him, he's a he's a terrier. So there's see if we could get Josh Morris doing like little pinch hit runs through the midfield. He's still very young, but he's highly skilled and a very very good spatial awareness. So the development of some of these young kids um, excites me. It really does. Well, Rick called for you to be creative, and you've pitched in there. What about this, uh, Frawley Ford? Well, um, thank you, Paul. Um, and now that you've handed over the reins to Goodwin, um... <laughs> oh, that is deeply insulting. <laughs> well, that was his solution. Remember, he he got to Melbourne. Frawley was their best defender. He's like, oh well, Frawley's not going to hang around here much longer. He's going to be off. He wants success. Um, we'll move him forward. Just kick it long to him on the top of his head for the rest of the year and try to create a backline. I'll own up to the fact that that was suggested with tongue in cheek. Okay, um, I would say try Impy forward at times. You know, have Impy as more of a swing. I would be more inclined to play him uh, back by default, have him as defender. But I wouldn't mind seeing Impy drift up forward. I know that kind of happens already now, but do you know what I I just want to see? I want to see Will Day Scrimshaw getting it between wing and half forward and bombing it to the square. Mm, mm, yeah, hundred percent. Because they are really great penetrating kicks and if if they can learn to do i mean i know it's i just want to see long penetrating kicks either over the back or to the key forward and we just it's very simple you just they either the ball either hits the deck and you've got the runners coming through it just got to make sure they get into the right position so they'll get there but um scrimshaw is a little bit quicker than sicily seems to be um, and he can do that. But we've got to have faith to hold the line with people like Patton um, right up the ground. Just spread their defence. Talking of the forward line, I thought it was astonishing against the Suns, and I think part of it was us and part of it was Gold Coast, just how much space and freedom the forward line had. Like Players leading up to the ball and doing it with ease. Like, it happened with Mitch Lewis, it happened with Gunston. Gold Coast didn't compress the field of play at all. Yeah. It was quite odd. Um, it was almost one-on-one in that <laughs> in that forward 54, and we loved it. Oh, absolutely. That's how we'd like it every single week. And that's not to say there weren't pack moments. We've covered one with Puopolo already. But, you know, Gunston taking contested marks as well, and Timmy, there were moments where we genuinely had to compete, and it was good to see that we won those contests. But... 
uh, yeah, you're right. Gold Coast did not compress at all and, and gave us freedom. And I'm like, how much of that is them and how much of that is Hawthorne? Because that is what I want to see. I want to see more of that kind of space. Well, I think Stewie Jew was very keen to see how some of his players would go one-on-one without the support of a, the team uh, tactics. So leaving them one out meant that he could really judge them on their well on their own um it's a hard thing to do we we did a lot in the late 90s just to work out who we really wanted to retain um and and Alistair Clarkson did it with Dawson he did it with Gillum he did it with uh Gibbo Lakey even when he arrived he just left him one out and said all right let's see how good you actually are how much support (laughs) you need um but also I think that Gold Coast were just tired young players looking at Monday and thinking, oh, this will be fun. We're in the Borossa Valley. <laughs> you, know, that's, uh... you might be right. We heard from Bly, though, here at Hawk Talk Pod. Do you think Hartley plays all the games next year with Strats gone and Sicily injured? Do you think there's any reason he wasn't given more opportunities this year? I thought he was quite good from what I saw. His feet are fantastic. His ability to change the whole dynamic of defending by attacking from the last line of defence with one seventy metre drop punt to the wing. I fully endorse, and I want to see it every game next year. Thank you very much. Seconded. We move on to Alana <laughs> at Hawk Talk Pod. Uh, who do you think works best together in the midfield, Jager, Mitchell, and Warple, or Jager, Mitchell, and Wingard, or another combo? Now, this was something I regret not mentioning on the creativity question. Wingard, he hasn't found his mojo at Hawthorne yet. I'm not sure whether it was an absence of crowds that really <laughs> sort of diminished <laughs> his... His efforts. I mean, he had some very high work rate games, but my goodness, that ability to go for that third effort, I think, is hugely reliant on the crowd being there to witness it. Um, there's a bit of ego that I love about Wings, but he could, we could put him anywhere and have some really good impact. Even if it's round the ball forward of the contest and we're just using his spatial awareness to get the ball to the best option on the outside. Um, yeah, it's it's very tough. Like I said before, with for Burns, I don't think he got the he got the mix right. And I know that Jager Mitchell and Warple haven't actually played that many games together, so it'll come. Yeah, I think it will. One thing you got to look at with the midfield for mine is just um, shaking it up. Like you got to plug in different sorts of players. We've mentioned it all throughout the year that sometimes we see very seem very one pace, one dimensional, and I think by rotating different kinds of players through to at least give the opposition something to to mull over. Like, what are we going to do at this stoppage? Oh, it's these three blokes again. Okay, no worries. Like you got to challenge that. You got to give the the midfield a different pace, a different look. Uh, different setups and uh, I don't think necessarily works with you know Jager Mitchell and Warple I mean they're all brilliant players in their, in their own right but it just needs like a Wingard or, or maybe a Bruce or I don't know just something else an x-factor to it it seemed to, to me it seemed to be much more effective when we were needed to attack in that midfield it seemed like we got the result we wanted um, which indicated to me that defense of the stoppage was far more present of mind than than the attacking from the stoppage most of the time. And that's because a lot of teams early on in the year were just running straight through the contest and getting it long. And I think Geelong did it to us many times early on. And we, we sort of had this... Uh, other clubs noticed that you could basically run away from our midfielders. And if you could do that, then you're going to easily win this match. And just got us on the back foot. That is 100% spot on. Um, the amount of times... When I look back at how we lost games this season, uh, my enduring memory is center clearances. The amount of times would just be absolutely destroyed where the, the ease in which the opposition would like get an outlet handball and just whisk the ball away, like surge through the corridor almost immediately... Like, we just put up no resistance. It was uh, quite stunning. And it makes you think, well, 
is it us or I think it must be us because <laughs> it doesn't matter which team is doing it. Every team seems to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, so that's something we definitely have to work on. And I think injecting a, a little more variety into the midfield certainly helps. It, it, you know, at the very least, like I said, it makes the opposition team go, okay, they're not doing the same old shit. <laughs> well, I, I mean, even uh, Cousins, who has a, a marvellous attack on the footy, uh, was, was great for us. Just a different attitude. And we had Bruce go through the midfield a lot, which um, he looked really good in parts for that. So he is building the rotations in the midfield, but if we can snag some kid at GWS or Gold Coast who's access to requirements and has been overlooked and all they've got is a fairly average kick and maybe they've got some real jets, you know, we can get them to the club and teach him how to kick and <laughs> then teach him the running patterns. You know, we can get we can get good results fairly quickly. Love it. Wholeheartedly agree with that. We heard from Jacob. When do you think we will realistically start to challenge for our next flag? Do you have any ideas about what we should do to get there? Mm. Round one next year, I think, begins our next challenge for the next flag. Um, <laughs> Come on, you know what he means. <laughs> All right, let's think. We've been overachieving for a long time, Nick, but we do have a lot of overachievers at the club still, and this is going to continue. I'm maybe a little bit rose-tinted here, but I don't think this team is as bad as it seemed this year. I think the overhaul was was due. I, I thought this was a one last shot at a premiership with the key ingredients in defence that brought the last ones. And from here on... I think Clarko, I think he does need to find a new way of winning. I think the old way of winning Clarko had was successful and has since been neutered by various different strategies of opposition clubs. And I don't think they're coming back from that. I think he's got to evolve a bit. I'd agree with that. I think um, it is time to evolve. But I'd also agree that you have to be mindful that this year is one out of the box. Like, this is just an incredibly bizarre season. There's a lot of things um, out of Hawthorne's control that didn't necessarily work for us too well. I think we could admit that, you know, hub life simply wasn't for Hawthorne. Um, you know, we, we played our best, most promising footy at the start of the year, basically. And then our trip to New South Wales com just completely nuked our season. Like, we just never recovered from that. And the, and the fixturing was a nightmare as well. The umpiring was a nightmare. And there's a lot of things you can look at, and luck with injuries too. And you add all these things up and go, well, how much do we actually read into uh, our performance when you've got all this stuff circling around us and affecting us too? So you've got to be mindful of not, um, and while I don't like the phrase, it applies, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Um, you've you got to strike a balance where you commit to evolving, but you, you don't go crazy like you you have to be mindful of the stuff that was actually working and what has potential to work so there'll be two pressures on the club there'll be the financial pressure which means you have to be competitive now they've got a lot of goodwill with Hawthorne supporters right so they can take a more patient approach which I think surprisingly North Melbourne is trying to adopt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they have almost no goodwill, <laughs> either with their supporters or with the players that they've just turfed out in a tweet. <laughs> 11 players in one tweet was just dog, awful approach to administration. Yeah. Um, similarly, the Bombers look like they'll, they're, they're resigned to dip again further um, before they decide to head up. Now, we, there'll be a lot of clubs that go, all right, we need to be really competitive these next couple of years because we've got to keep the membership up, otherwise we'll be unfinancial and that'll... And they will take decisions that aren't for the good of the club. So we've already made a few decisions that were top-ups, which is what I'm talking about. Mm. We need to make decisions that are going to be, you know, you're going to be reaping these decisions for the next five years. So... We can be competitive with our current list next year as long as we get some home games and and stuff like that. I know missing Sicily is going to be enormously bad for us in terms of our strategy. But coming into 2022, we've got a lot of chances into these young players. 
We've still got some leaders on each line. Everyone was a little bit confused about the Burgoyne decision. We've discussed how that is a, is a training mechanism, a coaching mechanism as well. Um, and we need to keep some, some veterans on the list. But this is what they do. They, you're, you're so right, they have to bring in people under 25 because they need to be there for five years from here. Exactly. It's got to be long-term thinking from here. Like, we, we have to be prepared to, uh, to go through this patch. And as a supporter, I'm thinking, I don't know, two to three years sitting with this as like a real long-term project to get the club back to a place where it can really contend and be a genuine threat again. I reckon a two to three year patch and some supporters are going to hear that and think, oh, brilliant. This is going to be rough as hell. Oh no, it's not going to be terribly rough. There are some clubs that are going to be absolutely awful over this next period. Well, I don't think it has to be excruciating. Like it just simply doesn't. Um, We've got a lot to get excited about in that time, but I, I can only hope that the club echoes the sentiments I've just expressed, that they recognise that, okay, now we need to really commit to a long-term project here. And if we do that, if we take it slow and we're patient and put the right things in place, we'll be back again. Uh, so there, there it is. I'm on record as saying that I'm prepared for us to be outside the eight for the next couple of years. And that's not to say we won't be entertaining or enjoyable. It's not to say I won't have fun watching us, but I'm resigned to the fact that it's going to be just a little while yet before we contend. Well, I want to be a little bit more direct with Jacob here. Let's look at the top eight now, and you tell me which of these top eight you think will be there in two years' time. You just say tick or cross. Port Adelaide? Uh, tick. Brisbane Lions? Tick. Richmond? It's interesting, isn't it? They're, yeah, that that's tougher. Their window's, you know, still open. Maybe another year as well, but they're getting closer to the end. That that's it, though. The the trick is, you're asking me to predict in two years' time, and I'm just not. I'm less sure about Richmond in that regard. Um, who's next? Geelong. Uh cross. Yeah, that's a cross. West Coast. Cross. St Kilda. Ah, uh, tick. Unfortunately. Western Bulldogs. Tick. And Collingwood. Cross. So that's three out of the eight that are definitely in two years. And I think Collingwood is very close to a cliff, to be quite honest. And then you've got Carlton who are pushing and Fremantle who are pushing. We've got to beat Carlton and Fremantle to get into the eight. Yeah. Okay. And maybe Gold Coast. Melbourne. (laughs) (laughs) The little snigger (laughs) is just so perfect. Uh, I tell you what. They are the gift that keeps on giving. There's a documentary in this season as well, Melbourne, and I hope you make it. I really do. The viewing pleasure that I received from the last one was just so beautiful. What was it called again? The documentary series was called uh, To Hell and Back. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, that's right. It's a return trip. (laughs) So, um... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I've been impressed with Sydney's recruitment. They look like they're... uh, pushing again but uh, you know people saying Sydney are ahead of us at the moment and I'd say in terms of the midfield they probably are but across their back line I'm not sure that they are so that's where you build a premiership from from your defence it sounds like we've got a pretty similar idea of our trajectory though you and I yeah I think if we made finals next year it would be an absolute free hit <laughs> you know yeah. and that would that would require a really generous fixture which you can always count on with the AFL at Hawthorne, can't you? But I'm looking at 2024, because I love the number 24, and I'm thinking that is probably the next premiership. This question comes from Adam. Do you think that the kind of send-off we saw with Strats getting sent forward for a goal and how well Clarko celebrated with Poppy and Stratton post siren, do you think that might do us some favours in the trade period by making us an attractive destination, even with us not being challengers right now? I thought that outsiders might look at that and think, that's where I could enjoy my footy, as opposed to somewhere like GWS or Adelaide, where it doesn't look like the players are having as much fun. Ah, yeah, well, winning will do that to you. There's also a lot of angst around the club, all clubs at the moment, about the list contraction. So it was good to see some smiles on the boys' faces. And I think we're still a destination club. I mean, we're a hugely ambitious club. We're going to be building one of the best facilities uh, known to AFL, and um, we're going to be building it in the worst possible period. So there's there's definitely 
if you're 20, 22, and you're coming to Hawthorne, you know that Clarko's there. The only problem is if Clarko, if you're thinking, and the, the AFL world is thinking that Clarko's not going to be there for a while, and if he drops off, then you're a complete unknown. Okay? So having the commitment from Clarko is essential going forward for some of these blokes to come in. Having said that, the pressure is on players to find clubs now. Harking back to what I said before, I think it's uh, enormously beneficial just to speak to the, the spirit and the heart and the soul of the club to get that kind of win right when you need it. It's It'll be the lasting impression of Hawthorne. Uh, despite a, a pretty down season, you look at that last win and go like, yeah, they, they, they know how to honour their stars and, and they, they are a family. They are the family club and that's expressed in everything that they do. Uh, on field and off field, like it's just it was just a timely reminder of what this club stands for, and I think that does hold us in good stead. In case there are any doubts before from players, what I really like is the club like to maintain a distance from the media. They protect their players. Um, they don't want intrigue into their lives. You might have seen that Buddy Franklin has his photo in the paper taking the bins out. <laughs> they they don't want that. But when they do open up, and it's generally through their own media, um, their own controlled and heavily homogenised media, (laughs) (laughs) that we find out that the players are actually really nice blokes and that they all get along. Yeah, it was great to see. Uh, We've got one final question here from Dino. Are you doing any sort of in-season awards or draft off-season previews? Hey, what are we doing Wednesday night? Are we doing something? I'll be live tweeting it, I think. I've recently got the NBN here, so I think I'll be able to push the uh, the live stream onto the telly. I mean, we should inform listeners what we're actually referring to. The uh, Peter Crimmins medal is this Wednesday night, 30th September, uh, live stream for members from 7pm. So uh, we'll be on board for that and providing coverage. Well, I'll be dressed up, sitting in the lounge, um, going to go full tux, and uh, one of our mates, Angelo, will be wearing his... Uh, Hawthorne Scarf Caftan, which apparently is not allowed into Crown. But this will be the first time you'll be able to wear it to a best and fairest. So that's great. So to answer Dino's question, yeah, we're going to be covering the PCM uh, online. And uh, I mean, as per usual, we have our draft and, and off-season pods. So This is the best part. I love this part because invariably we get one thing right. <laughs> Come on, I'd say our strike rate's a bit better than that. Okay, we're above Damo. <laughs> he's the only one that didn't include Will Day on the votes. I know, incredible. And then he's like, oh, he's a good news story though, isn't he? Idiot. Absolute idiot. Uh, no, we will be doing off-season pods, uh, albeit maybe the schedule will slow down a bit because there's no more footy, but we'll, we'll still be hanging around as always. It's good fun. As we seek to wrap up the show, uh, if you love it, then jump on Apple Podcasts, tell the world about the Hawk Talk podcast, uh, rate and review us there we'd really appreciate it and Twitter as well well we surpassed 2,300 followers a huge milestone and deserves a huge thanks to our giant community there on Twitter uh, we really appreciate you getting around us Facebook as well we're loving the banter there facebook.com slash hawktalkpod nearing our own milestone over there Tiz that's exciting and uh, Patreon patreon.com slash hawktalkpod got a couple of shout outs to Bryce and uh, Father my father jumped on board, so... Uh, when I got the email and flicked it on, you were like, oh, yeah, he managed it. I was like, yep. <laughs> Legitimately, I do want to give a shout-out to my dad because uh, it's almost time to uh, renew the membership for, for 2021. And I have to acknowledge that for many years as a young'un, uh, my dad paid my way with my membership, so that, that's why I'm a diehard Hawk supporter. I carried on the family tradition, so uh, thanks, Dad. He's, he's not particularly technologically savvy, so I also want to give him a shout-out for persisting with the Patreon platform and getting that all sorted. I didn't have to walk him through it, so thanks, Dad. Yeah, it's good to see, and uh, we've got a fair bit to share over the summer. It'll be good fun. I'm looking forward to it anyway. The books and... Uh... There'll be stuff that happens in the off-season that uh, I always enjoy. This is where the premierships and the next cups are found um, in who you bring into the club. Yeah. Apparently there's a few listings going on down at the Cattery and I just cannot wait to get one over on them. Quinton Narkel, the man with the most interesting name in football? Yeah, maybe not. If your initials 
and an indication of a question. I just, you know, I'm just not into it. <laughs> I tell you what, that is the most interesting name. The most interesting personality in football for mine is Tom Brown. I don't get your fascination with Tom Brown. I know we had that moment with him, the little arc of celebrity at the preseason game where he came and basically demanded to know what everyone thought of Patton. How could you not be fascinated by Tom Brown? Everything he says and does is just... It's like footy media's own Mr Bean. They say with the politicians, don't vote, you just encourage the bastards. It's exactly the same with Tom, and you shouldn't watch. You are telling me not to watch a man who's been photographed wearing a suit and shorts. How can I possibly look away from that? Speaking of... Halloween coming up, mate. There's my costume sorted. <laughs> That'd be a great place to end it, I think. This is the Hawk Talk Podcast. We'll be back real soon. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.